Hello, everyone, and welcome to the In Squash podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Gibson, and today uh, we have uh, part of the triumvirate of uh, great squash coaches during the Nickel, Power, Palmer, White, uh, that era of, uh, of players back in the, uh, the late uh, 90s and the 2000s. Um, in episode one of the In Squash podcast, we had, of course, uh, Peter Nichols' uh, coach, Neil Harvey, on the podcast. Following that, a few episodes later, we had uh, Jonathan Powers' coach, Mike Way, current uh, Harvard men's and women's uh, squash team coach as well. And now, uh, on today's podcast, rounding out the triumvirate, uh, we have Sean Moxham, coach uh, to David Palmer on today's podcast. We had a great chat, uh, looking back to his days, uh, his early days playing squash, uh, his early coaching days and how that led to uh, him coaching uh, David Palmer and what he's got going on with, uh, with M-Squash uh, Interactive and uh, Accelerator. So uh, he's got a lot of uh, great stuff uh, going on in terms of uh, new squash technology and state-of-the-art uh, technology that he has in his uh, new facility that uh, is soon to be open or could be uh, open uh, right now. I think it's a uh, Opening day is uh, coming up soon if it hasn't uh, happened already. But uh, at any rate, uh, I really enjoyed uh, this chat with Sean Moxham. Uh, seems like a really good guy and obviously one of the best coaches out there. So uh, enjoy the podcast. Okay, uh, everyone, welcome uh, to episode 21 of the uh, In Squash podcast. Uh, we've had uh, Neil Harvey on the show, we've had Mike Way. On the show, and today uh, we have Sean Moxham on the show as well, uh, famously uh, coach to the world uh, number one and two-time World Open champion David Palmer, also played uh, on the tour professionally himself, and now uh, he's focused on rolling out uh, new initiatives with uh, M Squash uh, Interactive. Uh, Sean, thanks for coming on to the podcast. Uh, that's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, I guess uh, these days you're based out of uh, out of New York, uh, and I think you've uh, you've set up a sort of a, a squash club there as a base for your what you're doing. Is that uh, is that fairly accurate? Um, it's yeah, it's close. Um, at the moment in New York, I I'm actually I actually work um, with a, a family um, with uh, two players in it. It's a, a boy and a girl. The girls is ranked number one in the under 17s in, in America. And, uh, her brother is, he's in the top 20 for the under 19 category. So I've been working for that family for about two years now. Um, and I'm about to open up a six court, um, academy, um, in a town called Port Chester in the state of New York, but pretty much on the border of New York and Connecticut. Okay. So, uh, you've got your coaching there along with uh, the, this new initiative, which we'll get into later. That's kind of connected to uh, that. It, it is connected to what you're doing with M Squash. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's M Squash. It's M Squash uh, Accelerator. Is that the, the the full? That's the name of the academy. Yeah. So I've I've always um I've had um I've operated as a as kind of a the name M Squash more or less more or less comes. Um, comes about by um, kind of how I summarize squash, um, how I see squash, and 
the M is starting for mindset in the first place. Um, okay. And then the second place is uh, movement. And then lastly, uh, match strategy. So um, okay. that's kind of how I, I see the three main pillars of the game. And um, So that's where mindset, I, where movement, I, and match strategy. Okay. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, I mean, um, from experience and coaching over the years, uh, you've got to get the right mindset first and foremost. And um, so that's always the first pillar that I work on with the players. And um, then we, um, yeah, movement, obviously, it encompasses many things. It's, you know, it's, it's a very physical game. And, you know, everybody talks about, you know, speed and endurance, acceleration, deceleration, all of these things, strength. Um but it can get a little bit confusing for kids, especially. So um, I kind of just keep that as movement and try not to confuse them with many things, but um, uh, work on a good movement for the players. And then the last thing is, is yeah, bringing, bringing a match strategy about um, trying to get a philosophy across to the players, how I like to see the game played. Um, and then matching that a little bit with their unique, uh, their unique talents and skills and, and then going from there. Okay, well, that's an interesting uh, and very effective, I think, uh, way of approaching it. And we'll look and uh, get into that in more detail. I've got some uh, some questions. I know I still struggle. I've been playing since I was twelve, but uh, I still can't do the split step properly. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody's everybody's different, Jerry. So um, yeah, yeah. it's uh, I, 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 there I is no. I gave up. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. You know, there's 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 no there's no one way I think um, to to get better. I think that it's you know every, there's a number of there's a number of different techniques that coaches use, and it's it's really about finding out the best way that works for you and and building on that. Absolutely, yeah, I agree. I, I made a I did all right without it, but uh, anyhow, let, let, let's say uh, if you don't mind, uh, Sean, if we could look back uh, a little bit. Uh, now, before before you uh, uh, famously became uh, the coach to David Palmer and others uh, uh, before, uh, you carved out a, a little bit of a pro career yourself, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, when did you first uh, turn pro, and uh, and how did those uh, years as a pro on tour uh, treat you? Um, I was uh, I was born in in Brisbane in Australia, so um, I was um, I was very lucky to be. Um, in that town and in that environment, I came, I was probably at the end of a, of, of a, yeah, probably one of the best eras of Australian squash with the likes of, you know, Brett Martin, Rodney Martin, Rodney Isles, Tristan Ancaro, Chris Robertson, Sean O'Connor. Um, and these are just, you know, to name a few of the unbelievably great players that came out of Australia around about that time. Um, I think it would be fair to say that Brisbane was the, the Cairo of uh, world squash in yeah. the, in the eighties. Um, so I was really fortunate to to be there and to be able to be around all of these guys. And um, I my parents had a had a club um, uh, just outside of Brisbane. Um, so actually, I, I left school at 15 and started playing full time squash from that moment and working in my parents uh, in my parents' centre. Um, I was a member of the Australian Institute of Sport for squash, the squash unit, um, from 16 for about three years. Okay. Um, and then I, so I left Australia when I was... Uh, at quite a high level as a junior then. Uh, yeah, I, I represented Australia. Um, I came third in the World Juniors in 1988 um, okay. in, in Edinburgh. Um, 
and the team won the the championship. So that was it was kind of the the big thing in those days. I think Australia won the the boys teams championship in eighty four, eighty six, and eighty eight. So it was a it was a, a good era of junior players coming out of Australia. Yeah. Well, you. Um, uh, I had a, a, the, my next question uh, was uh, I'll, I'll just uh, state it to you here. Uh, Austra- obviously, Australia had a lot of greats playing back during your era, and uh, uh, who were some of the Aussies that you you competed uh, and trained with back then? So you named off uh, most of them there, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. And, you know, then you, you had guys like Chris Dittmar in Australia, who was, you know, a uh, massively famous uh, player. Um, it was it was just a great time to be playing squash in Australia. There was there was just this wealth of players and, and a number of uh, great coaches behind them. And then in previous eras, obviously, we had, you know, obviously, you know, Jeff Hunt and Ken Hisko and Cameron Caro, uh, to name a few. And, you know, the great Heather Mackay. So, yeah, we were we were so lucky um, back in, in those days in Australia. Yeah, and uh, I think a lot. I mean, if you all the players you listed there, uh, uh, quite a few of them, uh, they all have different sort of uh, styles in in the game, approaches to the game. There's some attacking players like um, like the Martin brothers, and then you've got uh, a guy like Ditz, who is a, a more of a. I mean, he was attacking player, but more of a, a physical uh, guy on the court as well. Where would you? Uh, what would you describe? How would you have described your game? Um. I think, uh, you know, in Australia, you, because of the temperatures, uh, you know, I was from Queen, Brisbane, Queensland, and um, you, it was an interesting comparison because uh, you had to, because it was so hot, you had to learn to do things with the ball. Otherwise, you're on there for hours. So it was a, it was a challenging environment to grow up in. So, um, and we also liked to volley a lot. So, um, you know, trying to take the ball early and try to do things and move your opponent around the court. Um, that was kind of the style that, that I think that most of us grew up with and then tried to bring that across to us to onto the world circuit with. So um, I think you've got, yeah, some countries maybe produce more attritional players and, and some, and some produce more attacking players, but until you, until you actually get on the court with a player, you, what looks on the outside as, as one style of playing it, it, it can sometimes be very different when you're playing that player. And a good, a good example is everybody looks at Egyptians and say how attacking and how, you know, how much flair they have. But if you look at a guy like, you know, Arma Shabana, um, he had for me the, the best straight length that you could play, which, Absolutely. you know, and, and, and set up everything. So yeah. people often see what they want to see and don't really see the full depth of what's going on. Yeah. I always uh, meant when we, whenever I talk about Shabana, I, I mean, at my, you know, my level of, uh, of play I, before any league match, I'll always just watch him play just to sort of say, yeah, that, that's how you should, uh, play the game you know yeah yeah absolutely he was a great example yeah um now uh now obviously uh after uh your your pro career you got into coaching when did you notice that um that you sort of had a knack for coaching i i guess with your parents having a, a club you might have gotten into that part of things uh at a relatively early age i did yeah 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 you're spot on there so um it was um, it was part of the responsibilities of running a center. You know, you you got on court and you you help people and encourage them. And um, I um, I really enjoyed that. And I think also just like I said, I came at the end of this amazing era of players. And part of um, part of learning for me was uh, was watching these players and and then trying to go out and imitate them. And 
Mm. Um, yeah, it, just, it gave me a wealth of experience, which was then um, possible to pass on to other players. So um, that was enjoyable. Yeah. And uh, now before you, you started uh, working with David, uh, did you have any other players that uh, within your camp, so to speak, uh, kind of thing uh, that you were working with? Or uh, was I, David I, one of the first guys that you began to work no, with? No, I... I started in Germany actually um, with Sabina Schoener, who okay. um, I, th I think she was a 16, 17 times German champion and, and went on to, I think, a career high of number five in the world on the women's tour. Um, so I did some coaching with, with Sabine and then a couple of other um, PSA players in Germany at that time. Um, I then moved uh, up to Belgium where I, I lived in Belgium for about 23, 24 years. Oh, okay. um, I did the national, the national coaching job there um, and coached multiple uh, junior uh, and senior national champions. When, uh, Stefan, um, Stefan Castellan, is that his name? I, uh, we used to play in the same league team. I uh, coached him a little bit as a 19-year-old. As a um, okay. But, but uh, uh, yeah, there was, there was, it was a good time in European squash. Um, um, I worked a lot with the national team and then uh, I had a young girl also Charlie de Rijk from Belgium she was two times European junior champion so um, yeah I had a good mix of um, both female and male players um, I enjoy coaching both there are different dynamics um, but uh, yeah um, so I had I had did have some coaching experience before I started with David and I think oh, we started together yeah. in 1998 you started with David in '98, okay? And yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, he came. My research uh, serves me correctly. Uh, maybe I'm wrong here, but uh, the M Squash Accelerator that that comes from the fact that you were able to bring him from uh, number forty to number one within eighteen months. Is that right? Yeah. So it, it, <laughs> that's part of it. Um, yeah. So obviously the. The, let, let the, you know the on court or the manual um, teaching methods that I use um, I think get results um, get results quickly um, but so that's always been what I've done from a coaching perspective with the new center that that, that my my wife and I are opening up um, it's it's also bringing in different technologies which we feel will also engage the the kids um, faster and and also help them. Uh, accelerate their 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 learning as well. Um, so that's that's kind of where the the accelerator comes in uh, after the end squash. No, I thought that was in, I thought that was pretty cool though to, to tie it into to the the timing of, of uh, David's rise to to the top uh, uh, there as well. I thought that that was neat. Um, yeah, then, thank you. Yeah. Uh, now uh, on tour, obviously, David got uh, uh, gained the nickname uh, the Marine. Uh, and I've heard uh, numerous uh, anecdotes about his training, and uh, obviously he's a very talented, physical, and also a very skillful player. But uh, one thing I heard, and maybe you can uh, tell us a little bit about this, is about his beat test uh, training, where he apparently was able able to complete five beat tests complete, uh, five beat tests uh, <laughs> with three minutes rest in between each one. Is there any truth to that? And were you there to? Uh, to witness this? Uh. I, uh, I, there is, it's completely true. Yeah. Um, so we, um, yeah, we were just, 
we often came up with, uh, we wanted to come up with ideas to challenge him, um, to prepare him physically better than any other player that was out there so that when he'd step on the court, he knew that he could, he could go that extra mile. Um, and we, he used to like doing the deep test. And so I came up with the idea before the 2006 um, uh, season um, that we would, we would build this up over the season and, and work towards the world championships in Cairo. Um, where he would do the five sets of uh, five consecutive beep tests. It was actually only two minutes in between because you have two oh, minutes rest yeah. in between in, in the matches. That so we're sense. trying to simulate a match, um, a match situation with the five sets. And uh, we had a, a, uh, a minimum amount that he had to do in each beep test. It wasn't as if he could just, you know, stop at any time. He had to reach a certain sh- uh, level on a certain shuttle in the first one and in the last okay. one as well. So, so walk. it was... He was not walking, I can assure you. <laughs> yeah. 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 And yeah, that was yeah. that was a very effective it was very effective training and uh yeah, it wasn't just it wasn't just the physical edge that we were building up, but it was also the mental edge as well. Yeah, one thing, I mean, I still try to compete at you know, trying to stay competitive at the age of fifty and sometimes when I do these interviews I, I kinda of push uh to get more information. I think I'm gonna try uh that beat test. Uh, not not five, but uh uh, we'll try it uh, over the next few weeks. See how it goes. <laughs> let me know. Let me know how you go. <laughs> I might not. Yeah, who knows what what'll happen there? But um, now uh, I'm not every. I'm not sure if you were there for the for the match. But uh, I'm Canadian and a huge. Uh, I'm a big fan of David's, obviously, but obviously a, a huge Jonathan Power fan. You might know where I'm going. Sure. With the question. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure I'm, if you I'm were gonna, there. I'm gonna. I'm gonna let it. Yeah, I'm gonna let it play out. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm not sure if you were there for the YMG Classic uh, in 2001 in Toronto, but the legend of that, the physical physicality of that match and the incident uh, survives till today. Were you there? And uh, what can you tell us about uh, maybe leading up to the incident and and the aftermath? Uh, because as I knew that they they used to train a bit together and they actually did exhibitions together. I'm not sure if there was any. Um, uh, so I, I actually, I wasn't there for that match, um, but I, I was there obviously for many other matches that they played together. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it, it was a, it was just a, a great, a great match every time that they played together. Um, In the beginning, probably they didn't understand each other that well, but by the end of their careers, they, you know, they were both great friends and and really respected each other. I think, you know, I wasn't there for that match, but I think the other really famous match that they played was at the Super Series. Um, I think it was the semifinals, maybe in 2002. I think that that probably eclipsed the match in, in, in Canada, which you were talking about. And this was an amazing match. And, at the end of the match, um, you know, I, I thought both of them would be, you know, really furious with each other. But um, at the interviews, at the interviews, uh, sort of on the side of the court after the match, they were both were like, you know, it, it looked it looked pretty intense out there, but actually we're both having the time of our lives. So, um, yeah, it's a, it was a it was a great rivalry and and they yeah. brought out sometimes the, the best and the worst in each other, but um, it was enthralling to watch. And uh, I think um, people, people miss that a little bit. I think yeah. that, uh, yeah, we I don't really it, see it, much of that anymore. Uh, these days, the guys are so well behaved. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit tamer, but um, that's a good thing as well. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's a bit like tennis and, and other, in other eras, uh, 
yeah, you have your rivalries and uh, yeah, it, yeah, that's how it is. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you brought up an interesting point too. A lot of people, when they look back at that era, they think uh, there, there was the rivalry uh, uh, power and nickel, but uh, they tend to forget it even more. Perhaps uh, there was a, a very intense rivalry between uh, Jonathan and, um, and David. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, it was it was a lot of fun, and uh, I think people always you were there, had, yeah uh, you were there to witness it yeah you you were you yeah, were a big part yeah. of it did exactly, you uh, exactly how how did you get on with uh, with Mike Way uh, I mean he he's an interesting guy he was on the the podcast and uh, much like you he he's a, he's a great coach and he has a vision for the way he coaches uh, uh, did you guys uh, compare notes uh, at all during the day back in the day. Oh, we did actually, yeah. Um, Mike is. Uh, I'm lucky to to be able to say that Mike's a great friend, and um, uh, he he was very uh, welcoming to me. Um, you know, he'd he'd already, you know, he was busy with Jonathan on the tour, and 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 David sort of came in a few years after Jonathan, and and challenging, um, and and uh, immediately Mike was, hey, you know, let's let's get together and let's talk and. Um, you're obviously doing good things with David and I'm doing good things with Jonathan. It'd be great if we could talk and, and compare notes and, and, and use some of those things for other players or camps and that. And, and we've had that relationship since day one, really thanks to, to Mike's openness and, uh, and, and he has a desire to collaborate with people and, um, and share. Um, he's a great guy, a great coach and, uh, yeah, always, always love spending time with Mike. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, uh, I, I, I kind of skipped one thing. Uh, I was going to ask you about the, uh, that 18 month uh, period. What was it, uh, that, uh, sort of, uh, enabled you to, and David to, to get to uh, world number one in such a short period of time, if you could bottle it, uh, how would you, uh, market it? I think we just, we just, um, David's, David's a great guy in for, for training and that he, he, if he makes a, a choice to, to trust you and um, he used to have this expression, trust the source, so the source of information and he didn't doubt anything. So he would, he, you could tell him something and he would go and train it um, without any sort of inhibitions or any little negative voices in the back of his head saying, I'm not sure about this. Uh, you know, uh, you know, what should I do? Uh, you know, I'm not, you know, I'll, I'll try it, but I don't really believe in it. So he was really good at being able to take that information and then really um, going out and testing it. Um, we also did a lot of um, painstaking work on video analysis, really looking at breaking down how he was playing his matches and where the points that needed to be fixed, how we could do that. We, we also established, he was also at a point in his career where he was just about, he was starting to play more matches on the glass board and we needed to change a couple of things and, how he was approaching matches on a on a glass court compared to a normal court. So I think it was just a combination. That would be the three things that sort of stand out in my mind as uh, you know um, the the differentiation points between a slower progress and a, and a really fast progress. And obviously, uh, obviously, a lot of a lot of work, a lot of hours put into it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could just tell in the way that he played. He was super fit, and then uh, really, uh, it just seemed like it happened overnight. He really became very skillful with the racket as well. I mean. Not only does he was he able to put the ball, uh, uh, you know, hit it a, a million miles an hour, but he's volleying everything and really nice touch off the volleys and movement. Uh, it was uh, the whole package, really. Yeah, I mean, obviously players 
players evolve and and they also grow with confidence. And you know, David probably came into the into the top um, more on on retrieving and and making sure that he stayed in the rallies and and he was a very attritional player. And then once he was you know getting some victories and a shot of confidence and feeling like he truly belonged there, then yeah, he started to we started to work on bringing in more variation to his game. Um, and and that he really developed into a yeah uh, you know at the end of the day he could hit a shot that you know any shot that any other player could hit so um, and that was kind of the plan from day one was not to just make him a one dimensional player but to try and evolve and not just to be able to retrieve the ball but to be able to do things with the ball and apply pressure to his opponents and yeah he he evolved into a into a great all round player yeah he did indeed now um, let's take a. Uh... Uh, if we could, let's talk a little bit about uh, M squash a bit. Um, the, the interactive uh, part of it. Um, I mean, I've seen it online a little bit, and it really looks uh, exciting. And, and all the new stuff that that seems to be coming out, the analytics and things that you can uh, uh, gain from it, uh, seems really uh, promising and exciting. Where where did uh, where did it get its start? Interactive squash. Interactive. Uh Squash is designed um, uh, from a company in Germany. Um, uh, Marcus is the um, is the CEO of the company and the founder, um, and he really came up with the idea. Um, and I think that uh, for me, it's one of one of the most innovative ideas for our game that we've ever seen. Um, and I think that it can be a real game changer moving forward. Um, he formed then a, a, an alliance with ASB, um, the squash uh, court construction company, yeah. um, who I've been involved with for many years. And uh, it just looked like, a, for me, a, the most natural fit to get involved and, and bring the courts to, to the States. And we're actually going to be the first courts in, in the States that have them. Um, and it also, it just fits really right into the uh, accelerator model or the accelerated learning techniques model, which we're all about. Um, yeah we think that it's going to be sensational. So, so uh, in terms of what it can do with, with analytics, uh, it can, uh, what it can provide, it, it seems like the sky is the limit. It, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, and I think it's, you know, we're only just scratching at the surface at the moment. Um, and I think that, you know, collection of data is, is, is great. And then the ability then to translate that data into meaningful learning points for the students that's that's the next stages that are coming up um and again like i said it's to be able to provide tools and and information to accelerate learning um is exciting to be a part of um and then of course you have the the fun aspect of of interactive squash as well um getting getting people involved playing the game getting young kids you know in my generation when i was young you know you're outside kicking a football playing cricket you're always busy playing sport and it's a challenge these days to get kids um, off the sofa away from the Xbox and the Playstations and the like, and, and to be able to say, Hey, listen, you can, here's your, here's your gaming, but you're doing it in a, in an, in athletic mode where you're up, you're moving, having fun, sweating. I mean, this is, this is great. Um, I think it's, it's it's just what our game needs and it's just what society needs. It's basically society's forcing our hand to enable, uh, to get us to do that, isn't it? Pretty much, pretty much. So, um, you know, I think that um, otherwise this is, we'll this all is become be fat, huge. Sofa sitting on the sofa. 
Well, you know, it, it, it just comes at a great moment in time for squash where we're getting all of this um, great publicity, Forbes magazine coming out and saying, well, we're one of the healthiest sports in the world and yeah. the amount of calories that you're losing per hour that squash is, is really, you know, up there top three sports for this. So to then to be able to be able to show that and then get kids out playing the game and having fun as well, um, that's huge. So, yeah. you know, it's, it hats off, hats off to Interactive Squash for, for coming up with that. Yeah, uh, I noticed too, uh, I think it was the Grasshopper Cup on uh, PSA Squash TV. That I'm not sure, I don't think it was Interactive Squash, but it, something along those lines uh, they'd set up uh, and they, they compared or they were able to uh, identify court coverage and how much court, how much uh, uh, coverage that each player was doing on court or, or something along those lines. And it, and it was, uh, it far, squash players were, Pro players were far out uh, moving a, a tennis pro. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, just then that's the perception of that's you know people have you know a perception of a tennis match going on for five hours, but how how much of you know how much time in, in that five hours are they actually moving compared to you know an hour and a half or a, an hour fifteen squash match? Yeah, they're probably in the bathroom for for about thirty. <laughs> <laughs> on the bathroom now, 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 now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's not nice. No, okay. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyways, right. The uh, now with with interactive squash, uh, I was just thinking with your with the club that you have in New York. Is, is it? Are you trying to? Um, uh, is it sort of like a state of the art training center that that you have in mind? Because I mean, if you if you have this new technology. I'm sure a lot of the top pros might, uh, could be convinced to uh, to give it a go. And not only pros, yeah, so but the, people, uh, I mean, squash fanatics like uh, like people like me. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And that's the idea. So the it's, um, it's a six-court uh, academy, um, six ASP courts. Uh, we'll have uh, two of the courts uh, will have interactive squash. Um, we have a third, uh, third court, which has, um, also an interesting model, um, glass sidewalls. So it's a three-sided, um, glass court. Um, okay. but we have, we have a glass floor on this court, um, which has, has been trialed in the past for the professional matches. And I think at some stage it will be adopted, um, as the official floor. Um, and, with the glass floor, we have a LED lighting system underneath the, the glass, which will light up target zones on the court. So some, tradi some traditional target zones, which, which pros typically use, you know, you see getting the tape out and putting markings on the floor and that. Um, on the, with the glass floor, I'll have um, these lighting channels underneath the glass where with the, you know, a, an app, which I'll have on a phone, I can, I can say, well, let's light up, um, you know, backhand drives target zone or, or forehand drop shot target zone. Um, and I've got a uh, camera system set up around the court. I've got eight cameras set up around the court, which will also um, film players' movement, but also will do a similar um, uh, data and motion tracking of wow. the ball movement and the yeah. player movement. So that's going to be really interesting as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I could just, I could see it now. Like you could, you could um, have a have a player that you're you're working with or coaching, have them play a match, and then uh, notice, you know, their movement wasn't quite what it should be, and, and you could point it out via the these uh, the analytics that you get gather following uh, using your camera. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, and I mean, it's 
you know, that's going to be great for pros, but it's also going to be great for, for anybody. junior players and, and anybody. So we all want to get better. Don't ab- we? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, the model of the, of the Academy is, is pretty much during the daytime. It, it'll be there for pros. Um, I haven't, I've stepped away from, from coaching pros actively in the last years because I've been more involved in junior squash here in the States, but okay. I'll be going back to setting up a pro Academy um, and have the pros train during the daytime. And then after school, when the kids are out of school, it'll convert into a, a junior Academy from, you know, three thirty till, till seven thirty, And then adults will come in and play after that, uh, you know, after work and, and after, you know, um, they've had their, their family uh, time. So um, it's, it's exciting that we can work with the different ranges of players and, um, yeah, really looking forward to starting. Yeah, I saw something a while ago uh, on, I'm not sure what element of interactive squash it was, but it was a kind of a social, a social side of it, not necessarily the, uh, the training or the, you know, collecting data side of it. I, I, am I correct there? Um, uh, I'm not sure. It was sort of uh, get out there and play with your friend, maybe hit the target or I, I, I forget what it was, but um, there's there's also interactive squash. There's a they have um, there's a ghosting um, drill which you have which they project onto the front wall and it shows you where okay. you need to run um, on the court and then it, you know everything is everything has a um, you have instantaneous statistics on everything you do with um, interactive squash. So um, if it's a you have fun element with the fun games and you also have drills which you can do and especially with the drills you might have a timer function on it'll tell you the number of balls that you've hit. Um, it will tell you that, you know, what's even very interesting is um, you might be doing a volley solo drill um, and it will not only tell you how many balls you hit, how many went into the target area, but what was the time in between each ball that you hit, the average time. Oh, yeah. So that's great. That's, you know, in terms, yeah. So, it, you know, it shows you how, you know, your, your preparation is becoming faster. Um, there's so many different sort of elements that it helps you with. Um, so, so, yeah, it, it, it's great. Yeah, that's great. Uh, great stuff. I mean, um, now, obviously, there the, are going to be naysayers out there who, are, who might say, uh, you know, how can you afford, uh, afford to bring this into your club? Uh, what, what would you say to people who, who would assume that it, 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 I'm not sure if you're marketing this to other, other places or whatever, but if, uh, what would you say to people who would say this might be out of their price range? I think that... Um you know, there's there's naysayers in in everything that you do. Um, I think that it's it's certainly for me. If you if you want to be successful in anything, you have to invest in it. So um, some in, some investments are smaller and some investments are larger. Um, and I but you know, whatever you it's like. I look at it like training a squash player. What you put in is what you get out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that interactive squash. Um, it 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 comes at a certain um, at a certain cost, but the cost is easily um, is easily uh, regained by what you're getting out of the product. Um, so, it, and and it, it works. You know, squash is interesting. is an interesting sport in different countries. It has a different. Um, how would I say? You know, in America, it's it's very much a a vehicle for um, college uh, entry. Um, and so, you know, interactive squash would be used for, uh, a different, potentially a different purpose than what it would be in a country which where, where the sport has been stagnating. 
um, and it's being used to attract people back into your club and just playing socially or casually, but with a fun element. Or I think it's also great for attracting this whole new generation of, of, of kids who, as I said, they love the gaming yeah. aspect, but they don't find a sport which suits them. So yeah, um, it can be used. In that way, isn't it? I mean, the, the squash court allows you to, to do this kind of thing with this technology, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And, um, I've, you know, I've read somewhere where um, the, the World Squash Federation president has, has come out and said that he thinks that interactive squash could certainly be um, a vehicle for helping, um, you know, the sport gain Olympic recognition and, and because it's such a game changer. And I think he summed it up really well there. So... Yeah, um, absolutely. I think it really comes down to I think it really comes down to the investment. You know, it, it comes down to um, um, what you want to what you want to get out. It's not always putting in is is one side of it, but it's what you want to get out of it is is the really the big question that you have to ask yourself. Yeah, that's right. I mean, like you said, if you're if you're really into the sport, if you're really into the sport, you just like any of us, you want you're going to in, invest in yourself or invest in the sport and. However much you want to invest, uh, uh, I mean, if you want to invest that type of money, then you can. Uh, you're going to benefit from it. You're going to get the results. So yeah, yeah. Simple, well, Sean, Sean is there anything, uh, anything else uh, about uh, M Squash that you'd like to uh, update us on? Because it's a, like a, it's a great initiative. So, uh. well, I think it's um, we're opening up in May, so um, we're we're. Of course, we're based in New York, but um, we would definitely like to to have people understand that it's a, it's an international destination. Um, you know, it's, we have summer camps throughout the whole summer. Um, we'll be looking at um, organizing adult camps, um, potentially, you know, coordinating with international federations where it might be, you know, with a with a masters tournament or yeah. you know let's say a, a week a week before the tournament of champions where people come out and spend time in in the city do, do some training any, and then uh, at night times do you have anything uh, lined up for the uh, the the pre-masters in virginia we don't we don't actually know we no. um we uh we're, as we're just getting the, the the center open for this summer um that that kind of probably just timelines a little bit tight there. Okay. Um, but we will be we will be doing future um, future products. That's for sure. So that's good. Um, but so yeah, definitely the, the center is 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 open for all, and not just national players, but also international players, um, young and old. So um, it's really going to be a, a hub for us. And uh, yeah, like I said, we can't wait to get it open and, and started. That's fantastic stuff. Uh, Sean, uh, thank you uh, so much for coming on uh, to the podcast. That was a great chat and uh, all the best with uh, M Squash and uh, with your camps coming up. And uh, you might have a customer. I'm um, heading home this summer to Nova Scotia, so I may, uh, may try to convince my wife to let me go down and check it out. <laughs> well, it's easy. You send her shopping in New York and Manhattan and you come down and play some squash on the interactive courts. Perfect. Okay. That, that'll work. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jerry. Nice to talk to you. Thank you so much for the initiative. Yeah. Th uh, thank you very much. Take care, Sean. All the best. Thank Cheers. you. Bye-bye. Uh, thank you so much, Sean, uh, for coming on to the podcast. That was a lot of fun, and uh want to wish you all the best uh, with the opening of the new uh, facility. Um, I hope that if I'm in your neck of the woods this summer that uh, I get to drop by, uh, and I'm sure I'm going to uh, perhaps see my game uh, 
benefit from that uh, going forward. And uh, going forward as well on uh, this podcast, we've got some great episodes upcoming, uh, some great Canadian content, along with one of the greats of the game coming on uh, in a few days. So really looking uh, forward to that. Uh, So everyone, uh, stay tuned for those episodes. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, all the best with your squash. Take care.